morning, traders. Welcome to today's Outlier Live, where we cover the biggest headlines of the day and what the AI trading data has to say about it. Our top story of the day, get ready to celebrate S&P 500 turns into S&P 5000. That's my voice cracks there. And our second story of the day, regional banks, while they were in a world of hurt last year, they might be in a world of hurt even more in 2024. Tune in for all that more on today's Outlier Live. Move over, S&P 500. We just rolled into S&P 5000 for the first time ever. Microsoft topples Apple as world's largest company. Microsoft is on pace to be the world's or on pace to be the first U.S. company to close the market cap above three point one trillion dollars. I don't know if you remember a couple years ago, I was actually one of those. So I'm like the world's biggest finance nerd. Uh, a, a few years ago, I actually remember watching as apple uh the stock price was moving around up and down and i was uh i was like i, I was actually following it tick by tick like wow apple just crossed a trillion dollars how interesting is that it made no difference to me in my life i also was watching it on the day when uh dow crossed uh 30 000. what's the dow at these days i don't even remember uh probably way more than that let's let's take a look here the Dow is at 38,000. Yeah, I remember being one of those nerds watching as the Dow ticked over 30,000. And now what we see today is the S&P is crossed over 5,000. And good morning, Rab Beat from vacation in the Philippines. Glad you could make it. Glad you could watch live. Yeah, so let's take a look here. The S&P 500 has never been higher, closing above the 5,000 level for the first time ever as improving corporate earnings and better than expected economic data fuel investor optimism i i kind of am a little bit worried about that in fact if you think about it right inflation has been striking everywhere i think inflation is striking asset prices i think inflation is actually uh coming to the stock market at this point i don't know if that is a, a good thing or a bad thing but i i am not invested i am 100 percent cash because this move right here, I'm a little bit anxious about what uh, what they like to call the wall of worry as prices are going up. Yeah, this guy is sitting on the sideline in cash. I'm waiting for a pullback before I start getting too long. And good morning, watch channel DE. Glad to see you. Let's keep on going here. However, strategist caution, the upward move is heavily tied to just a handful of companies. And that's actually the reason why I am not invested in the market right now. In fact, let me pull up a stat for you real quick. This is a stat that I like to follow closely. This is called the MMFI. This is the percent of stocks above their own 50-day moving average. So this is the market breadth. As you can see, um, it's actually been trending downward over the last several weeks, which means that as the market's cruising higher, the number of stocks helping that market cruise higher is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. So it does give me a little bit of pause and that is why i've been sitting on the sidelines right technology is really important as you know like at microsoft apple nvidia they make up 18 percent of the s p 500 and the total is about 30 percent and that's actually more today than it was in the peak 2000s when we had that tech bubble burst and we're going to be covering uh microsoft the s p 500 and nvidia uh and apple in fact let's let me go ahead while we're talking here and load up NVIDIA because the AI trading data results for these have been just astronomical. Uh, to the point here, Microsoft displaced Apple as the world's largest company as its market cap uh, moved above $3 trillion on Friday. 
And that compares to the iPhone makers, $2.9 trillion. You know, they make a lot more than iPhones. In fact, I remember hearing a stat not all that long ago that um, the uh, AirPods, just the AirPods on its own, is um, a huge business. I, I, I don't know the stats off the top of my head. I should have looked that up ahead of time. But just the AirPods business is uh, bigger than many, many, many businesses. Just the Apple Watch business is bigger than many, many businesses. And in fact, I would venture to say that the new Apple Vision Pro that everybody's all excited about, I would venture to say that that's probably going to be bigger just on the sales of the Apple Vision Pro, bigger than many, many businesses. Um, tell me in the comments down below, do you have an Apple Vision Pro or are you looking to get one of those anytime soon? I, I am not. Um, I do have a MetaQuest 2 and um, it's pretty cool, but I might use it once every three months. Uh, however, the the uh, the products I've seen or the, the reviews I've seen online for the um, uh, new Apple headset um, are pretty cool. So we'll see. We've moved uh, from talking about AI applying to AI at scale by infusing AI across every layer of our stock. Uh, that's from this uh, Microsoft CEO Nardella. We've moved from talking about AI to applying AI to infusing AI. Right. He just loves throwing the AI buzzword around. I don't blame him. Right. Uh, Rabbit says he's an Apple addict. Rabbit, did you get the headset yet? Did you? Uh, communication, technology, and consumer discretionary stocks are the top performing S&P sectors over the last three months, rising 17, 16, and 10% respectively. And um, let's see. Rabbit says, I'll wait for the vision. He'll wait. He'll wait. I don't blame him. You know, somebody said in one of the tech reviews I saw, I said, this is the absolute worst Apple Vision Pro that will ever be released. Everyone from this point is going to be better. I was like, yeah, that's a fair point there. Uh, you know what else is a fair point? Making sure you hit the subscribe button down below. That way you don't miss any of the AI stock trading uh, tips that we bring to you every single day. Considering that the past 12 months, only three sectors have outperformed the S&P 500. That's information technology, consumer communication services, and consumer discretionary. So information technology, that's your tech stocks like... Uh, Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, communication services, that's things like AT&T, T-Mobile, and uh, even Netflix is actually included in communication, and then consumer discretionary, that's Amazon is at the top of that. Um, the first two have dramatically outperformed the index, and we consider these sectors to be overvalued and favor investors trimming exposures down to our suggested neutral allocation to tech and communication, and unfavorable allocation to consumer consumer discretionary tripping over my tongue there and then the page reloads so basically what they're saying is yeah the S&P just hit 5,000 which is pretty daggum epic but that is not the case to just get all excited go out and buy a hot dog right before the Super Bowl right that is um, quite a piece of caution coming out from this investing house here now let's take a look at what the AI trading data has to say about these stocks, right? We're going to be covering several here because they were covered in the article. Microsoft, right? 165.34% following these signals uh, from Outlier. In fact, the last buy and sell signal from January 16th to November, uh, February 7th. So we have a buy signal here. So this may actually be the top of Microsoft. So you may be wanting to watch that. Uh, next, NVIDIA. Holy moly, got a buy signal back on January 9th, and it's been out of control since then. Signal returns of 1,471.28%. Just unreal signal returns right there. 
Um, let's go to Apple. Then we'll go to we'll end S and P 500. And then uh, Apple, January 24th, we got a buy signal there, 334.71 percent. And then the S and P 500, we got a buy signal January 25th. It's been rocking strong, signal returns of 114.83 percent. And then if you want to look at the the map of the S and P 500, you can actually see like this is the year to date map where everything is pulling through. Apple has not been all that successful. It's actually down 1.91% this year, where NVIDIA is up 45%, and our hero of the day, Microsoft, up 12% on the year. And like I say, all of these stocks right here are showing to be tremendous, tremendous returns, uh, historically speaking, inside of Outlier. And if you want to get your hands on all of these tremendous returns, head over to outlierdeal.com. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R deal.com to get lifetime access to Outlier for one itsy bitsy tiny payment. And this will be going away in just a couple of weeks. So you might want to take advantage of that while you can. Let's go see what the internet says about this, right? Breaking the S&P 500 has officially hit 5,000 for the first time in history. Since the October 27th low, it's up about 900 points. That means the S&P has added $8.5 trillion in market cap in just three months. Truly a historic run for stocks. And let's see what people are saying about this, right? Correction, truly historic run for the S&P 5. Yeah, this person says good point, right? Uh, this is an ad. Thank you. Me trying to find the value added. <laughs> is this the S&P 5000 now? Yeah. How long till we start calling S&P 500 the S&P 5000? That's exactly what I'm saying. Impending sell-off, courtesy of one Mr. Jerome Powell. You remember last year, we had all kinds of issues in the regional banks. I think we're about to see all kinds of issues more in the regional banks. Now, let's break this down. I am a finance nerd. I love this kind of stuff. And in fact, I do a lot of consulting with financial institutions. So I'm, I'm like front lines watching as all this happens. What really went down last year was the fact that while institutions, um, they make money two ways, right? They make money by investing like institutions actually do investing, not just personal people, right? Personal uh, accounts don't just go out and buy CDs. A lot of uh, uh, institutions go out and buy CDs. A lot of institutional uh, institutions buy things called MBSs, mortgage-backed securities. If you've seen the big short movie, it's similar to that. Uh, collateralized debt obligations, things like that. The point is, is that they make money not only from making mortgages, making auto loans, making credit cards, but they make money from investing, okay? Now, imagine that you are a billion dollar institution and you decide, OK, I'm going to take um, 500 million and put it in loans and I'm going to take my other 500 million. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and put it into investments. That's a decently sound strategy. And at the end of the day, when we look at your balance sheet, if you had to call all those auto loans and all those mortgages, of course, there's going to be some uh, loss in those valuations because of time. And maybe even they've gone up, right? Maybe your mortgage uh, portfolio has grown in market value while your auto loan uh, portfolio has shrank in market value, right? So your, your, your loan value should stay pretty consistent. Uh, however, on the uh, investment side, if you were one of those institutions who were just struggling to make loans and you're like, OK, we got to do something with this other five hundred million dollars. Let's go and make investments. 
Now, when they went to make investments, they weren't making what you would consider as an investment of like maybe a two or three year CD, maybe a five year uh, CD. They, some of them were looking at um, 20 and 30 year MBSs, so mortgage backed securities. So like a mortgage, but instead of actually owning the home, you own the investment. And they really levered into these. Okay, so these regional banks really levered into these. And now a lot of them are actually really levered into commercial real estate, which in my opinion is even worse than these mortgage backed products. And during that time, this is pre COVID when or during COVID when rates are at rock bottom. Let's say they went on a 25 year MBS because they needed to capture yield to pay, uh, you know, to make any money. So they chose a 25 year MBS because it was 30 basis points higher than a five year MBS. I'm not kidding. The spread on these was crazy. So instead of making 3.25 for five years, they decided they were going to make 3.55 for 25 years. Now, by doing that, you're boxing yourself in, right? You're saying, I'm going to hold this to maturity for 25 years and only make 3.55%. At the time, a lot of institutions thought it was a great idea because rates were at near lows and they needed more money. Now, skip forward three years, rates have doubled and tripled in some places. The front end of the yield curve, which is the short end, right? The one month, two month, three months, six months, one year, two year, three year, um, are significantly higher on interest rates than anything out in the 20 year space and the 30 year space, right? So if they had just put on that three year CD, two year CD at 3.25%, they would have already turned that over and now reinvested that at 5%, maybe even higher. But a lot of institutions were stuck with those super low rate investments for 25 years. Now, here comes the problem, okay? Here comes the problem. When you have depositors who say, I need to get my money out now, you don't actually have a billion dollars sitting in cash, right? You have 500 million out in um, loans, and then you have another 500 million out in investments. And when those depositors come through and they say, I need my cash, and maybe you've got a big whale who's like, man, I got $10 million, I'm pulling it out of this bank, I need to go put it somewhere else. I don't trust you anymore. And I'm going to tell all my high worth friends, high net worth friends, you know what? I don't trust that bank anymore. So we're going to pull out my 10 million, your 6 million, your 28 million. And between the five of us, 10 of us, maybe we're looking at $100 million we need to pull out right now. So that's 10% of the balance sheet that needs to be liquidated and given back to the depositors. Okay. Hear me out. I'm going a long way around this, but you'll, you'll understand why I'm going through all this. So the bank doesn't have a million dollars on hand. It might have five million. It might. So it says, okay, we can't call all the auto loans and mortgages. The only thing that we can call and actually get our, our, our investments back is our, oh, well, get our money back is our investments, right? It's like withdrawing from another institution. But when they did that, they put $500 million in. They need to take a hundred million out, but those investments have lost so much value because they are worthless. Nobody wants those investments anymore, right? Nobody wants a 3.55% 20 year MBS. So those investments went from uh, a book value of let's say 500 million. Now their book value might be 400 million. They might be taking a 20% write down, maybe even 350 million. So they just took a $150 million hit before they've even had to liquidate another $100 million to give to their depositors. 
And now this billion dollar institution is now a $750 million institution. And word spreads of that. Word spreads of, hey, this bank's going under. This bank is making massive, massive losses. This bank cannot pay their depositors back. If you need your money, you better go get it now because they're not going to be able to take out their investments and pay back everybody who's deposited. And that is when the bank run starts. And that's how banks collapse overnight. That's why I went through that whole story. I hope that was helpful. Let me know in the comments if that was helpful. <laughs> now, um, I think we're about to see more of that, right? That was not contained to just two or three banks. That's systematic. That's systemic. That's across the industry, right? Now, there are plenty of institutions who are rolling in dough. I've seen some that are making more money now than they've made in years combined in a single quarter. I mean, they are making so much. But the regional bank is about to hit a it, regional bank crisis just hit a third credit downgrade as crisis concerns linger. Right. New York Community Bank was hit with a third downgrade on Thursday amid concerns about commercial real estate exposure. Commercial real estate makes total sense to me because while we were talking about investments a few minutes ago, getting their money out of investments, now getting their money out of commercial real estate, oh, they're freaking screwed. Right. Like I saw some stats that said up to 30 to 40% of all commercial real estate is vacant now. Vacant because of people working from home. Maybe you're working from home. Maybe you're working from the Philippines. Right. But the commercial real estate sector is in so much trouble. New York Community Bank was hit with a third credit downgrade as fears linger that the regional bank could be in peril as nearly a year after regional banking sector was hit by a crisis that triggered some of the largest bank failures in U.S. history. And now you understand how and why. Uh, Morningstar downgraded their credit rating and cited outsized exposure to commercial real estate. Bank has pledged to reduce them. It has pledged to reduce those the months ahead. Commercial real estate borrowers have been under pressure due to higher interest rates as well as lower occupancy rates during the rise of remote work. Uh, Fitch cut the rating from BBB to BBB minus, BBB negative. It's lowest investment, that is its lowest investment grade rating. Moody's lowered it to BA2 plus, a non-investment grade or junk tier. So they just said, this New York Community Bank is junk. This New York Community Bank is not worth investing in, period. Liquidity appears sufficient at the moment, but given the bank failures last spring, we remain cautious given the adverse headline risks, including a significant decline in their stock price, which could eventually spook customers and depositor confidence, just like we talked about. This is why I told the whole story, so you'd understand why it matters, right? If people start pulling their money out of New York Community Bank, it's toast. It can't survive. Now, I want to take a look at New York Community Bank's um, AI trading data, right? We actually got a sell signal back on December 28th. On December 28th, look here, New York Community Bank had been relatively stable between, uh, let's call it $12 and $9 during this time here. And we got a sell signal on December 28th. December 28th, and then 26 days later, it's down by 59%, right? It's not all about just how much can I make in the market? It's about how much little can I lose? And if you'd been following these signals here, right? You'd have gotten out on December 28th before it dropped 59%. Not only that, over the course of time, which is gonna take a lot more than that now, over the course of time, the signal returns were 58.64%. So you would have made 58% following these signals and managed to not lose 59% during this decline here. 
So that is pretty outstanding. So be sure you head over to outlierdeal.com. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R deal.com. So you can get your hands on these signals so you know when to get in, but also when to get out of the stocks. Now let's go see what the uh, internet is saying about this, right? Months ago, we were told the regional bank crisis is over. Now, regional bank index is down 13% year to date, and New York Community Bank is down 63% in one month. Here's where it gets interesting, directly from Fed Chair Powell's interview on 60 Minutes. There will be some banks that have to be closed or merged out of existence because of this. That'll be the smaller banks, and I suspect for the most part. While we agree this is certainly not 2008, many small banks are still feeling the pain. Did the regional bank crisis ever really end? No. No. And the reason why is because we have so many banks that still have this systemic issue. We have so many banks that all did the same thing. They all did the same thing, except for a handful. Those handful are making money like they've never made before. But the other 50 to 80%, they are looking at this thinking, ooh, I hope other people don't find out about this, right? I hope other people aren't seeing what we can see, right? <laughs> a manageable problem, we'll just throw some money at it. Did the regional bank crisis ever really end? No. The Fed's program simply bought them some time. I agree, absolutely, that makes total sense to me. So be sure to hit one of these two videos above YouTube. The algorithm knows that you're gonna like those and uh, be sure to watch more. And thank you so much for tuning in today's Outlier Live. I'll see you on the next episode. Talk soon.